We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Notre Dame fans, welcome back to a special edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It is Sunday, December 4th, and we're going live because there's going to be some big announcements today, right? Obviously, the, the conference championship games are over. It was a pretty fun couple of days of college football, in my opinion. We now know who the college football champions are. We don't know. We know who at least two of the representatives in the college football playoff will be. Obviously, Georgia smacked LSU last night, 50-30, to 30, and it wasn't that close. We'll talk about that game a little bit. We'll talk about, obviously, Michigan beating Purdue. Purdue was game for a while, but Michigan did what good teams are supposed to do against an inferior opponent. They put them away. It was a good win for Michigan. I've earned a lot of respect for Michigan down the stretch of the season. Yes, no, they did not play anybody during the season, but they're showing now when they are playing decent teams. They're a good football team, so props to Michigan for that. TCU lost to Kansas State in a really exciting, just well-coached, well-fought, just hard-hitting Big 12 championship game. It's the second year in a row that I would argue that the Big 12 championship has been the most physical championship game of all the conferences. Clemson won last night, but that's not going to have any bearing. And on Friday night, USC was knocked out of the playoff conversation, most likely, with a blowout loss to Utah when the Utes did to Michigan or to USC what Notre Dame should have done to USC. So, Ryan, we're sitting here today. We're going to find out who the four college football playoff teams are. We'll discuss those who will we, beforehand. We'll discuss who should and shouldn't be in there. We're also going to find out during this show who Notre Dame is going to play in a bowl game. And so basically what ESPN is doing is they're going to reveal the college football playoff teams. We'll discuss all that. Then they reveal the bowl games. And as they reveal the bowl games, We'll talk about those games until we get to the Notre Dame game. And then obviously once they release the Notre Dame game, the Notre Dame matchup will have a lot more to say. So I, I, I enjoy this, Ryan. This is a this is a fun show. It's a long show. It's like a four-hour long show. So I'm not quite sure when not our show's not four hours. The ESPN show's four hours. I'm not sure when we'll get to the Notre Dame game, to be completely honest with you, but it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, discussing all of this and it was nice to kind of – I always like when Notre Dame plays, right? But it is nice the occasional weekend they don't play where you get to sit back and just watch football. 
And uh, this last couple of days, Ryan, was a really exciting and fun, entertain- I, should, I should say exciting, entertaining couple of days of college football. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I mean, it was. It really was. I mean, there was... Basically, every game, Brian, was a highly contested game outside of, you know, the Big Ten championship game and the SEC championship game, right? Like, they were really exciting football games. You saw a couple teams that, you know, kind of controlled their own destiny and put themselves in jeopardy, obviously, with the USC's of the world, with the TCU's. We'll see kind of what happens in in that situation specifically, but it was – it was really interesting to kind of see the foils this past because you, I mean, you had a couple teams that had already seen each other on the season, you know, thinking about like a TCU and Kansas state, for instance, right. And seeing a, a Utah take on a USC again. And we know how hard it is for teams to go two and O against the same team in a season. And, you know, I, that's kind of why I, I don't want to say wrote off Utah, but I kind of just defaulted to USC because of that, that fact, but regardless we saw a lot of exciting football. We saw a lot of physical football. We saw that in some situations, we saw what the distinct differences between the cream of the crop in the conference and what the next tier down is, right. right? We definitely saw that. But regardless, it was a lot of fun over the last couple of days. Well, what we saw in a couple of different leagues this year, Ryan, is that the certain divisions in these, there's there's a lot of, um, there's gap between the divisions in college football this year. I mean, in, in all but, 
I mean, the, the two where there is no division, really, which, which is obviously the Pac-12 doesn't have divisions, and then the Big 12. But the SEC East, to me, had the two best teams in the SEC this year, and it, it wasn't really close. I mean, Tennessee beat Alabama and smashed LSU. So I, I still don't understand why we're talking about Alabama being in, and, and we'll get to that, Ryan, when, you know, oh, well, because they lost better? Like, that's really the resume? Even though Tennessee beat them and Tennessee has better wins, they lost better? Whatever. But the East and the and the SEC was better than the West at the top anyway. The Big Ten East was, you could argue, had the three best. Te- I don't even think it's arguable. Had the three best teams in the Big in the Big Ten this year. I mean, Penn State beat the West champ at their place in Week One. Now you could say, well, P- Purdue shoulda woulda, but they didn't. That's the point. Right. Penn State made the plays and Purdue didn't. James Franklin made the decisions and Jeff Brom didn't. Now Jeff Brom did a great job the rest of the year. And even last night, you know, you said that that, that it wasn't a competitive game. It di- ended up not being competitive in the second half. First half was but very Purdue went toe to toe with Michigan as best they could. They just didn't have the horses. And 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 a credit to Purdue and Jeff Brom and his staff for doing the best they could last night. I mean, they were outmanned and they battled and and competed and represented themselves way better than what Iowa did last year, Ryan. Where that game was basically over by before halftime. <laughs> Yeah. But it was clear that the East is just the dominant conference in the in the in the Big Ten. And, and then you could argue the same thing in the in the ACC. The two best teams in the ACC this year were both in the Atlantic Division, and that's Clemson mm-hmm. and Florida State. And and boy, North Carolina just an utter collapse down the yeah. stretch. And part of it is you can tell listening to Mac Brown before the game, there's a lot of distractions going on. And this is one of the issues that we're gonna get to this week and about it is the the just the un- regulated nature of the portal where mm-hmm. it is so blatant that teams are reaching out to kids before they're allowed to. And you've got North Carolina's trying to get ready for a bowl game as we're hearing about how their quarterback is going to enter the portal and go to Bama. Now are you okay. telling me that that there's no conversations Mac Brown said that he's got he had a starter that already has 15 offers and NIL deals on the table now before they're about to go play a championship game. So you, you can understand why there's a, a little bit more on the plates of these young men, and that's the unfortunate yeah. thing. These kids should be allowed to go play a game that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives, and instead you've got these D-bag coaches that, and agents and whoever else are out there trying to say, hey, you should go here, you should go there, into the portal, do this, do that. Uh, it, it's really disappointing and disgusting, and I think that's a part of the reason we saw North Carolina not be North Carolina down. It's part of the reason. It's not the only reason. It's part of the reason because – Mac Brown's been talking about this now for a couple of weeks. Yep. And there's a reason why he's talking about it. He's not just randomly like, I feel like fighting this fight. It's because he's seeing what's going on with his team. Yep. And that's what the portal is going to do. Teams like North Carolina are going to get raided by the Alabamas and the Georgias and the teams like that. And it's just the reality of, of in the USC's. And it's just the reality of it until the NCAA steps in and says, no, we're not going to keep doing it this way. But that's kind of was the little side. The little side note of this past weekend, and I think that that the, the game Friday night showed that it's still better, in my opinion, to be a developmental team that does have some transfers. Utah's starting quarterback is a transfer. is a more mm-hmm. traditional transfer. You can have some transfers. I think Gabe Reed was a transfer from Stanford, but you still got to be, a, to a degree, homegrown. Yeah. And, it, and then college football is still about can you play physical grown man football. And Friday night, Utah got things started by doing just that. Well, and I would say this too, Brian. I mean, not only does Utah develop their team really well. I mean, you talk about the Pepe kid at defensive tackle, number 77, who had a great game. You talk about the right guard, number 51, who had a tremendous football game. 
but what I think you also saw was that coaching really matters, especially in those types of football games, right? Because I would, I mean, for me, I watched that entire football game and I'm just like, Morgan Scally, Kyle Whittingham, the OC for Utah, they completely outcoached Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch during that football game, you know? So not only do you see kind of the camaraderie and the development that Utah had in comparison to USC, the only team to beat USC this year, and they beat them twice, but I think you also saw the difference in how much coaching matters, especially when the, the, when the playing field is a little more even, perhaps, right? USC is definitely still more talented than Utah, but I think the difference overall was that, to your point, Utah has some physicality to them. They are a older, developed team that has been through the ringer. And you saw, for me, Morgan Scally, Kyle Whittingham, and the, that staff absolutely just coach circles around Grinch and, the, and what USC put on the field. So yeah. I think it was, it was awesome to see, man, because I've I been you know, a Notre Dame fan through and through. But I always do like seeing Utah be successful because I mm-hmm. really think Kyle Whittingham and that staff just does it the right way. Yeah. I think there's a ceiling on how good that program can be, right? Sure. Like there, there's some limitations, but they get everything out of the talent they have at Utah, yeah. no doubt. Well, and this is one of those years where we saw the limitations. It's just hard for them in a Power 5 conference to just win week after week after week after week against teams that more often than not have more talent than they do. And I'm not talking about like Oregon State, but Oregon's almost always going to have more talent. USC is going to almost always have more talent. UCLA in most years is going to have more talent when UCLA is being run correctly. Mm Mm-hmm. And we saw that this year. Who who'd they lose to? I mean, they lost to Oregon. They lost to Utah. They, I mean, uh, UCLA. They lost to a Florida team that probably has more NFL players on, or at least more athletes on it. Definitely more. But athletes. then they get into USC, and then USC. See, the difference between UCLA and Oregon and Florida is all three of those teams play physical football, mm-hmm. and so U, Utah's style wasn't as conducive to dominating that. Credit to Dan Lanning and Kenny Willing Dillingham, who's now going to be the head coach at Arizona State. He was the OC at Arizona at Oregon this year. Is they played more physical football than Oregon did last year, in my opinion, mm-hmm. which is why Utah was able to smack them last year, but had trouble scoring on them this year because Utah doesn't run it as well. Here's the other thing too: Utah did all that without their top running back, by the way, because mm-hmm. Thomas didn't play in the game. And when he's healthy, in my opinion, he's their top back. Right? I don't. I don't know if well, you agree. They with had that or a. Not, but- the, the Jackson kid that was their best tailback during this game was a transfer quarterback from Texas. Right. right. So it's, they, right. someone was joking about it. I was like, that's pretty funny. Their starting backfield in that football game was yeah. two Texas transfer quarterbacks, which is just right. kind of funny to think about. Well, and it is, it's funny too, because when, when, uh, when they started having injuries, because Tavion Thomas didn't play gosh, what three of the last six games, but he rushes for 180 yards against, uh, against Stanford. And then, you know, then he kind of goes down and he doesn't play. And, and Micah Bernard, who people will remember, kind of starts getting carries. But then this Jackson kid who, you know, most people have never heard of, steps into the lineup late in the year and he has 97 yards against Arizona in November. He has 117 against Colorado. And then he goes for 105 and has the sort of the back-breaking touchdown in the in the game on, on Saturday night. And then, of course, Cam Rising. But, yeah, the kid that had over 100 yards against USC was their third leading rusher. And if it wasn't for his production in in that game, he would have been their fourth leading rusher. You know, because Cameron mm-hmm. Rising was ahead of him going into the game. So it just kind of goes to show, you know, you have that 
that depth is important, right? And and you get transfers the right way. You get those kids that are younger, that are developed, that you know you build up, and you know. And then when you do get transfers, it's it's a plug in. You know, Gabe Reed's to fill a hole, right? Not mm-hmm. to you know revolutionize your roster. So I think Utah does it a way that I think works. I think Notre Dame's going to always be able to do the portal that way as well, right? It's just find that kid that yeah. that you need to to plug some holes or to to serve as bridges, and those things will. You know, those things will go in there. We'll we'll get into here in a little bit too, Ryan, about the playoff, but I just want to kind of finish up wrapping up about the championship games last night. Um, SEC game, it was I, I gotta say, man, I love the CVS broadcast because I, I I think they do good angles and I love the music, but listening to Gary Danielson for three hours is just <laughs> nauseating. Number one, just the way he calls a game, it's like he doesn't even really give analysis. He's always like making excuses for what's happening on the field. Like just listening to them talk about, oh, the valiant effort that LSU is making. And I'm like, y'all didn't say that when when he was at Notre Dame and those things were happening. You know what I mean? And by the way, Notre Dame's two losses to Georgia under Brian Kelly with the lack of talent that he had at Notre Dame was by a combined, what, seven points? (laughs) Lost by 20 last night and it wasn't that close. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. But uh, another big game moment and another destruction uh, by a Brian Kelly-led football team. Well, and I know that Garrett Nussmeyer did a good job coming in for LSU, Brian. But, man, they were fangirling over him, man. I was like, I guys, know. I mean, isn't Georgia winning this football game right now? Like, convincingly. You would have known that in the second half, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, was, you really wouldn't have known that. It was wild, man. But, I mean, for me, you, again, you saw – what the cream of the crop of the SEC is compared to what is a tier down mm. tier two down right in LSU. Right. They're not, we knew that coming into the football game that LSU True. has their deficiencies. We knew about it. Right. And I think that you saw in this game when Georgia is healthy, well, not even when they, they don't even have to be fully healthy all the time, but you saw the difference. I think up front was the biggest thing for me, Brian, like that, that look, they could not run the football LSU. They could not protect the quarterback. The difference between the Georgia defensive line and the LSU offensive line was the biggest difference in that football yeah. game, in my opinion. Like Jalen Carter was a man amongst boys <laughs> all game. Yeah, when he picked he up Jay Daniels. Up and then he's but not only is he pick him up with one arm, but he like put uses his other hand to put up like a number one. And you're like, what? This yes. kid is nuts. It is, well, man. And Georgia's a, just a really sound. I mean, Georgia had their fair share of injuries. Like, okay, oh, you know, just their you know, LSU's banged up. And I'm like, okay, did anybody see Lad McConkey after the first quarter? I, I didn't. Why? Because he that was hurt. That kid's you a know? good football player, really by the is. way. Lad does not get much credit, but yeah. he's a good player. So, you know, so Georgia's got their own injury issues, but they were just outclassed. And, and I got to say, it was fun. While, uh, props to Mike Dembrock. Because he was putting in work last night, Ryan. I mean, even early in the game, they were moving the ball up and down the field. They just couldn't they put th- it in the end zone because they, th- they threw for like 500 yards. It was, yeah, well, yeah, it was but fun. even early, they had success. I mean, Jalen yeah. uh, Daniels had good production in the first half. And yeah. it just, when the field reduced, Ryan, the thing that killed LSU was when the field reduced, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they, they couldn't, they just couldn't do anything about it. Well, and so I would the, say the, Georgia is number one. They're actually starting the release now. So Georgia's number one. So we're gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna be interesting. Yep. You know, Michigan number two, three and four is gonna do you have last second predictions, Ryan? Ohio State three, TCU four, or TCU three, Ohio State. What you think should happen, not what you think will happen. I know what you I, think will happen. You think Bama's gonna get in, right? <laughs> I do. I'm gonna you say Ohio should. Ohio State three, TCU four is my prediction. 
That's what you would do if that, if it was that's up what to you? I, that's what I would do. That's yeah. what I think. I'd it still leave TCU be. three because I'm not punishing them for playing in a, losing in a game that Ohio State didn't play in. It's kind of the way I look at it. It's fair. So but just just wait for Alabama to be four though. Yeah, so I also don't want a Michigan Ohio State rematch in the semis. Make them both earn a rematch. Is kind of the way I look at it. So Michigan number two. Mm-hmm. This is going to be interesting. So I, I yeah, yeah. Simply, I don't want to rematch of the game in the semis. Yeah, make Ohio State and Michigan both earn a champ chance to, yeah, you know to to do I that. Just, so. I I have no confidence in the playoff committee. I, I, not right this there. year, Ryan. Not this year. I still <laughs> yeah. would say it should be TCU three and Ohio State four. But um, it'd be one thing if Ohio State won this weekend and TCU mm-hmm. lost. But Ohio State shouldn't get rewarded by sitting at home. And I still think TCU's overall resume is still better. Ohio State's the may may be the better team based sure. on what we perceive. But I mean, at some point in time, it's got to be. It's got to be the results on the field have to be the thing that ultimately determine who's better. You know? I, I know I know you don't want to see Michigan, Ohio State, but I actually would like to see Georgia TCU. I don't know why. I think that'd be interesting. That would be very contrasting styles. Yes. Very contrasting styles. Yes. Polar yes. opposite of style. Well, actually Mich- Michigan TCU would also Ohio be that. State Ohio yeah. State Georgia would be that way too. That would be you know but yeah. I guess he's a way is he, number three. He, I was right. So that's means that means George that means Ohio State's going to be four. Mm-hmm. So that means Bama's not going to get in, nor should they get in. So I'm glad. You know what? The committee sucked all year, but so far, Ryan, I think they've got it right. What if? What if? Right. Uh, I, well, one thing I want to say is that I feel really good for Max Duggan. I felt bad for that kid last night, man. He how does put he not all... have like an IV hooked up to his arm after the game man. That he played last night? He put everything out there, man, and he fully blamed himself for the loss. And I'm just like, man, no, the, what a the, warrior. The blame for the loss is why does a team that runs shotgun and a quarterback's been running down the field go under center for the two biggest plays of the game? I just – I'll never understand that. Good for Sonny Dykes, man. And you know what? I feel like this is TCU getting getting payback for what they did to them in 2014. Yeah. That's what I think. TCU, TCU can beat Michigan as well. I know we'll, we'll talk. We're going to get that, into those but... matchups here in a little bit, yeah. Ryan, for sure. But uh, they're really dragging us out. It's going to be Ohio State number four. Uh, they haven't announced it yet, at least not on my TV. Some of you what? may have got it if you're on if you're not what? streaming. But what if, uh, they, what, if, what if they somehow put Alabama at four? They like flip oh them my over gosh. Ohio State, the state somehow. of Ohio would riot, <laughs> and and rightfully so. I mean, rightfully yeah. so. Ohio State has a top ten win and two top twenty five wins. They earned one of the four spots based on how everything played out, you know, based mm-hmm. on the course of the season and how everything happened, including championship weekend. They earned they earned their spot, in my opinion. The, a two-loss conference champion like USC doesn't deserve it. A two-loss conference champion like Clemson doesn't deserve it. And Clemson's got to be kicking themselves because yeah. if they beat South Carolina last weekend, I got a feeling they got they'd have a very good argument to get in this weekend, a very good argument. Probably right. I think the committee would have put them five, and then it is Ohio State of four. So, Ryan, the college football playoff top four is set. We're going to have number one Georgia against number four Ohio State. The Buckeyes kind of sort of back into the postseason. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have number two Michigan against number three TCU, Ryan. This is going to be a very, very fascinating uh Two games. This is, I'll say this, this is going to be one of the more, inter- in my opinion, 
-hmm. This is one of the more intriguing. I don't know if it'll be entertaining or not. You never know when you get a month (laughs) off. But on paper, this is is one of the more intriguing first rounds in a long time, partly because I don't think there is a great team. Like Mm -hmm. Georgia's clearly the best team in college football. But I don't think – people think this is last year's Georgia. It's not. It's still really good. But – you know, I don't know what emotional side, you know, that I don't know how it's going to be emotionally, but Ohio State can do some things that Georgia has. Look, y'all, we just watched LSU rip the Georgia secondary up and down the field, right? And Ohio State's got a much better offensive line than Tennessee had, for example. But you get a month off. Jackson Smith and Jig was supposed to be back for this game. That can't be dismissed. That's an intriguing matchup. And Georgia TCU is going to be an intriguing matchup. So ten, Bama's a five, by the way. So I, Ryan, this is this is going to be Tennessee at six. This is going to be one of the more entertaining, in my opinion, um, or I don't know about entertaining because again, we don't know how these games are going to play. But just on paper, like I'm as intrigued by watching these as I have been in a long time. Well, I, I think to how we talked, how we kind of perceived it early, Brian. You're getting in both matchups. You're getting one extremely physical football team talking about Georgia and Michigan, and then you're kind of getting a more spread open. Let's throw the ball around the yard. Let's use our athletes types in TCU and Ohio state. Right. So you have polar opposites in both football games, which always is fun, right? You get to see the contrasting styles because I mean, just talking about that Georgia, uh, Georgia, Ohio state game for a second, like you just said, Georgia just gave up. 500 plus passing yards to LSU. And I know some people are going to say, you know, some of that was in garbage time. And sure, sure, but I get go that. Go watch what Jaden Daniels was doing throwing the football early in the game, Ryan. He threw for like 200 yards in the first they half. They went right up and down the so. field their first two drives, man. They got right. stopped. They had the blocked field goal. And that was so great to watch Brian Pauline's <laughs> unit just self implode again. Yes. But then they went, and then Georgia returns that. And then LSU goes right down the field again and scores again. Mm-hmm. You know, or gets in scoring position again. This time they get a touchdown pass. So I thought that was very um, uh, th- th- that was sort of what I expected Tennessee to do to Georgia. The yeah. difference is, is that you know what I don't know is you know Ohio State's defense has kind of been the thing that did them in last week. Their their run defense, but I, I don't I don't respect Georgia's running game like I do Michigan's. Mm-hmm. They're they're not the same team, and they don't you know. The question is going to be: Can Ohio State co- cover, like yeah. meaning cover the the pass catchers? That the, the tight ends are going to present some major mismatches against Ohio State, in my opinion. Yeah. And then the corners for Ohio State are very problematic, very problematic. And that's what Michigan did. I mean, Michigan was hitting their tight ends on play action and, and taking their shots on the one on one shots on the outside. I mean, if Cornelius Johnson can smoke Michigan. I got to think Lad McConkey and Marcus Rosemay and and Arian Smith and you know those kind of guys can can rip off. And then you got to ask yourself, what's Jermaine Burton thinking right about now? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, but to your point, Brian, I mean it's it's a one game it's a one game sample size. But I mean the in the Michigan Ohio State game. I, th- I think for the most part, Ohio State safeties have been pretty good this year. You know, the Ronnie Hickmans, the Lathan Ransoms, like that group has been pretty good for the most part. But in that game, they were not. They were yeah. awful, man. They were getting gashed just vertically down the field, you know, down the middle of the field. And now you're thinking about them playing against guys like Brock Bowers and mm-hmm. Darnell Washington and Lab McConkey working out of the slot at times. Like there's – that's going to be a big matchup for sure. Yeah, I, th- I think for me – 
Ohio State's got to feel okay about their offense, though, against Georgia in a from a passing perspective, right? Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to line up and just run down Georgia's throat, but you know, the fact that LSU had so much ability to pass the football, you have to say, hey, CJ, imagine what you can do with Marvin, with with Emeka Buka, with with a Jackson Smith and Jake coming back, you know, as long as we get some some time to throw, which – you know, LSU had some problems pass protecting, but Ohio State's offensive line is much better than LSU's, right? So they should have a little bit more time to throw, and they should be able to, I think, score some points against Georgia through the air. It's just a question of how can you combat that defensively against that physical offensive line, against the running game, against those pass catchers. I think it's just going to potentially be a high-scoring game, in my opinion, a decently mm-hmm. one anyway. Well, the, the only question is, is I don't know what version of Ohio State we're going to get. That's the problem. You know, I mean, I, I don't – I really thought that, you know, look, they're just – they're sleepwalking through these games and and because they're just so focused on playing Michigan. And then they showed up for Michigan, and you're like, this is what you've been kind of building for the last year? Like, this is how you show up to a game you've been building for? I mean, are they rejuvenated by playing in a playoff game? I mean, you'd like to think so, but I would have thought that about the Michigan game too, Ryan, when you had a playoff yeah, berth right. on the line. You're not so wrong. You're not I wrong. just – I don't know where this team's heart is, to be completely honest with you. You're, you're you not – I mean, I would hope that players that have, are proud, right, that have some confidence in themselves, I hope that Ohio State's looking at this be like, man – Right, we 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 shot ourselves in the foot this year, losing the way we right. did against Michigan. We 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 did not control our destiny at all down the stretch, and we're getting a second chance, yes. right? And I think that people, for me, like if there's if there, if there's proudness for the side of, of Ohio State from a coaching staff perspective, from a player perspective, they shouldn't need much to get excited and pumped up for this football game. But to your point, they shouldn't have needed much against Michigan either. Right. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they come out. Because not only did you did you see them lose to Michigan the year before, they got physically whipped, and and Michigan spent the whole next year calling them out for it. They still didn't show up with a playoff spot on the line. So it's it's very strange. It's very strange uh, for people saying when when we're going to find out our opponent. It's going to be sometime during the show. We have it on. We don't know when that's going to be. But Ryan, I. Uh, I just I don't know which Ohio State's going to show up. If the Ohio State that we thought they were going to be shows up, that's going to be a, one of the better semifinals we've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean Ohio State, especially with Jackson Smith and Jacob back. Now Ohio State should not have lost to Michigan even with him out, mm-hmm. but you can't argue that he's not at least a good player. And they're getting him back for a bowl game essentially, as opposed to getting him back in the middle of a season when he's got three or four practices to get ready. Now he's got the whole bowl season to get his rhythm and timing back with the quarterback and take some of the pressure off the other guys if he's healthy. That's going to be the big question mark. So I'm I'm fascinated by that matchup. I mean, if I was to make a – I'd still pick Georgia right now, but I feel like of all the teams in the playoff, just on God-given talent alone, that's the team with the best shot to beat Georgia, in my opinion. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're going to show up and play like a team that has the best shot. I'm just saying, like, on paper, looking at talent, future NFL, all that stuff, it's it's Ohio State. I mean, Ohio State, when their heads are on straight, has a defensive line that can go toe-to-toe with Georgia's offensive line when they're playing Mm -hmm. their game. 
Right. The, the linebackers have been good at times. Well, Tommy Eichenberg has been good all season, but the, his sidekick hasn't always been good this year. But when they are, you know, they're they're pretty good. They should get Travion Henderson should be healthy. Mayan Williams should be healthy for this game. Ohio State was a pretty beat up team late in the year. There's no excuse for how they play because Michigan wasn't healthy either. They played that game without Blake Corum. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just necessarily saying it's not excusing the Michigan game because Michigan was a bit beat up as well, which is like, how do you guys get this beat up when you're playing soft teams week after week after week? Different conversation for a different day. Just says a lot about football. But they're going to Ohio State's going to be as healthy as healthy they've been since the Notre Dame game kicked off. So I'm uh, very curious to see how that goes. I was also Ryan. I think they did the right thing leaving TCU at three. I, if they had put Ohio State at three, I, I I wouldn't have, I would have been too upset about it. But I, I think when you know when you look at resume, you know TCU has a top ten win. I don't know where Kansas State's going to finish ranked. They haven't released the whole top ten yet, but K State's going to be inside the top ten. They have a win over a top ten team and then lost to a top ten team. Of course, they beat number twenty Texas as well. Ohio State mm-hmm. has beat number you know a top ten team and then uh, lost to a top 10 team in Michigan and then also beat a, a what be number 21 Notre Dame. So their, their resumes versus top 25 are very similar. The big difference is TCU didn't lose until the conference championship game. Right. So like you'd basically punish them for, for winning their division or so, so to speak, or earning a spot in the conference championship game and rewarding Ohio state for losing to Michigan last week, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I think they did the right thing in my opinion, keeping TCU at number three, what are your thoughts on the the placement of where those teams ended up? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I was totally fine with it. I mean, to be honest, my, my reaction on Twitter yesterday was more, I felt like there was going to be some, you know, they wanted kind of the perceived, you know, brands to make the playoff, right? They wanted that. that that's why I thought that they would be harsh on TCU. But I mean, to your point, Brian, TCU has went into this weekend undefeated. They lost the football game in overtime in heartbreaking fashion. And honestly, if, if you take a look at their, uh, the drive that they got stopped on fourth and goal in overtime, you could argue that third down play that Max Duggan may have broken the plane. Right. So I mean, there are a couple like head scratchers. it It was the running back one. Where they knocked the ball out. That's the one where he broke. Oh, Max Duggan was clearly yes. down. Yes. yes. The other yes. one, yes. the yes. third yes. down one, was the one yes. where it looked like he broke the plane. Yeah. You're correct. Yeah. Kendra Miller mm-hmm. was the one that was stopped short. I mean, to your point, right? So, I mean, there were a couple ticky tack plays away from potentially winning that game, and they're undefeated. And 
there's no conversation about whether they're three or not. So, and to your, I mean, again, to your points, Kansas state was the number 10 team in the country, right? So it's obviously you're playing a really good football team. You lost in overtime. It's forgivable, right? I think it's forgivable with how the sequence went in there. But I mean, to that game, Brian, I think that that's a, another interesting game because they mm-hmm. are polar opposites. They are. Yeah. And I, I, Look, I know Donovan Edwards had a really nice ended up having a really nice game, but it was it was tough sledding early on against Purdue, and I think that it's it's going to be interesting because with Blake Corum out, I do think that that's going to be it's going to come. I don't want to say haunt them down the line, but I think there is going to be a, a moment where because Blake Corum is more of a densely built guy, he's a little more downhill, a little more physical than Donovan Edwards. Edwards is very dynamic and very quick and can catch the football and do all the great mm-hmm. things. He's a really good football player. There's no doubt. But he's a very highly like, ranked guy as well. So it's yep. not like he's just some okay no. dude that's a try-hard guy. He's I, I just, a pretty talented guy. Yeah, I just think that Blake Corum brings a little bit different of a profile mm-hmm. where when healthy, you can kind of lean on him a little bit more in the run game than you can Donovan Edwards. So yeah. him being out, I think, is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Maybe not as much against TCU because TCU doesn't stop the run very well. They don't. Right. But I'm, I'm interested to see just coming off the loss because TCU does seem like kind of like a mentally strong team, right? Like we've seen yeah. them have to come back in football games, come back, mm-hmm. you know, come back from being down early. I have to think that TCU, especially coming off this loss, is going to come off, come into the, the first round a little bit pissed off against Michigan. And I fresh. truly do. And fresh. And I think Max Duggan, I mean, again, I talked about him a little bit, the kind of the post game. I know that that kid is going to put everything on the line against Michigan. There's no doubt. And I think that that TCU team under Sonny Dykes is going to be ready to play. They're going to be hungry. And I think it's going to be an interesting football game to watch because they are polar opposites. And I think that you have less question marks on, for me, how TCU is going to come into that football game comparatively to how Ohio State might come into that game. Mm-hmm. Here's another aspect of that. Purdue showed last night that if you can protect the quarterback, which they didn't do all the time, you can throw on Michigan. And with all due respect to Charlie Jones and Aiden O'Connell, Purdue is or TC is going to be put a lot better pass game weapons on the field than <laughs> than than Purdue did last night. Yes. Yep. Now the one thing is that I actually was I respected the job this Michigan did on the ground last night because what mm-hmm. one of the one of the more fascinating aspects of Purdue this season, Ryan, is is they, they really improved in some areas. Not as improved, but maintained in certain areas. And, and one of the things that I was surprised by is they're a pretty decent run defense this year. They weren't great, but they were decent. Yeah. Uh, they faded a little bit down the stretch, but they were decent. And Michigan rolled them pretty good uh, behind Donovan Edwards with Donovan Edwards running the ball. So, and then. With JJ McCarthy, it's similar game plan to Ohio State. It's you know play action pass and get him in space and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I think uh, uh, I, I thought it was very interesting to me mm-hmm. to watch Purdue do that because then you're like, well, how does a team with better weapons? How will they be able to move on it? Move on. Right. So right. it's going to be fascinating to watch that game. Right. Now, Brian, can I can I can I backtrack to the first game for a second to Georgia? Yeah. You know the most disrespectful stat I heard yesterday was when they were in the post game presser with uh, with Sets and Bennett, and they flashed the thing: the oldest starting quarterback to ever win the SEC. <laughs> Look at 
so disrespectful. Was man. he like 25? <laughs> 25 and like some 25? change. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm like, why is right why there. is that a stat, man? Why is that a stat? <laughs> yeah, they just have to throw shade on him. You know what I mean? So but uh yeah sorry i i, I, have, I, I, okay. I had to bring that up because that, okay. that was so funny and then the okay. lady that was interviewing kirby smart afterwards was like you know what do you think about stetson the guy that no one wanted and and, <laughs> and i wrote kirby was just like eh, i think some people wanted him like it's a little over the top type of thing so it was just funny yeah. some post-game stuff <laughs> yeah uh hold on a second it's gotta respond to a question there a little bit but uh I think the thing about Georgia too, Ryan, is they're an interesting team because they run the ball for good numbers, but I don't know what it is, but just when I watch them play, I'm just never really impressed with their run game. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it at the end of the game, like yesterday, I wasn't in love with their run game. They had the one long, really nice run by Kendall Milton at the end of the game. And then I'm like, yeah, they ran the ball okay. And then you look at the box score and you're like, oh, they had 255 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's kind of like I don't know what it is. Like I can't point to why they're good running the football. Their line's good, but not great. Their running backs are good, but not great. They just get it done. I do like the fact that they do mix up inside outside. I think I was watching it last night. They ran like a toss sweep and went for like eight yards and then seven yards and then one of them broke. And I'm like, see, that's why you gotta. That's why you got to mix up your run game. You also run in, you know, a gap all, all, all game. So, but I just think Georgia's the most balanced team in here, but they're not unbeatable. I think all four teams in the playoff can beat them. I don't think all four would beat them or that I would yeah. bet on any of them. But I, I don't think this is like past years where it was like, you know, 2018 Clemson was clearly the best team going into the postseason. 2019 LSU was clearly the best team. Uh, Ohio, Alabama 2020 was clearly the best team last year. You know, I thought there was two teams that were clearly better than everybody else. This year, it's again, it's two teams clearly better than everybody else. It's just it's not two SEC teams. And we should note that this is the first time that, uh, by the way, I'm not the one that was debating the Hendon Hooker, Stetson Bennett age. That was Ryan. We both When we both tech, uh, comment in the chat, it shows up as Irish Breakdown. So uh, that was Ryan, not uh, not Brian. Give Ryan credit for that one. But uh, the the two first time we've had two teams make the playoff that weren't SEC teams since two Big Ten teams made it. So, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that'll that'll be a fascinating aspect of it, Ryan. So yeah, the college football playoff is set. Now we're gonna have to oh. wait and kind of find out who the other teams are. So I, I'm I am very much looking for. So and then I think I think George is gonna play in Atlanta against. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the bad thing for Ohio State is they're playing in Atlanta. It's basically a home game, and then the other game is going to be at the Fiesta Bowl. So TCU yep. and uh, Michigan are playing the Fiesta Bowl. Which wonder how that's going to be if that provides any advantage for TCU, you know, from a crowd because that's a lot less travel for their fans than it is for Michigan fans, you know, going over to Arizona from Texas. Yep. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Irish to the moon. When do we expect to find out our bowl game? I don't know this schedule for the rest of this so Mm -hmm. uh it's just you know after they do all these interviews and play all this up then they're going to kind of get into the other the other bowl games so ryan uh you were gonna say you were you were were gonna say something else 
No, I was just yeah. going to say it's, it's going to be really interesting, too, because, I mean, even looking forward after the semifinal to the national championship, Ryan, you're going to be talking about, again, are you going to get one team that is completely different than the other? Or are you going to see Michigan mm-hmm. that is kind of a very similar team to Georgia, mm-hmm. but who does it better type of thing? Right. You know, like it's going to be interesting right. just to see. I stand corrected. I forgot mm-hmm. all about this. AST with a super chat. Thank you, my friend. He said it wasn't the first time two conference members not in the SEC made it. In 2020, two ACC teams made it because Notre Dame that season was in the ACC. That's I forgot point. all about that because Notre Dame, I you know, forgot that Notre Dame, I you know, don't think about Notre Dame being an ACC team. So, yes, very good point. Very good point. That's so, a very good point. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about that. Forgot all about that. So, yes, thank you for reminding me of that, everybody. That's a, a very, very interesting. Very interesting thing. That was a weird. That was a weird year, man. It was a weird yes, year. Yes, it was <laughs> very weird year. I've tried my best to kind of block that year out because it was just so. It just was a yeah, very strange year. Very very strange year. So, I got to give props to Jim Harbaugh, man. I hate to do it. I really hate to do it, but he a has done job. a really good job with that program. I mean, they were they were on the brink of just collapse, and then how poorly he handled last off season with the NFL mm-hmm. stuff and. Yep. And to rally that team and get them focused, that that requires a great job by him. He made great hires of coaches he lost this offseason, lost both of his coordinators. And obviously the, the guys that replaced him did well. We found out this year that the offensive is still run by Jim Harbaugh. Yes. As you saw Josh Gaddis flounder his way around the season at Miami. And as we watch Michigan look exactly like the team that they were last year, you realize maybe it was Josh Gaddis. That was the reason for that, which I think we all kind of knew deep down. But uh, just really made a, just made good hires, and that team was focused and locked in, and you know showed they know how to win. And he's mm-hmm. done a really nice job. It's weird, still weird, still a weird dude, you know. And people talk about the week schedule didn't hurt, and that's correct. I mean, look, but here's the deal: look at Notre Dame this year. Two of their losses were to bad teams. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they they played some week a week schedule, and we hammered them for that. But they beat the teams they were supposed to beat, and they not only did that, but they did that impressively. They did like they destroyed Penn State, they destroyed Ohio State, and they destroyed Purdue in the Big Ten title game. So I mean, those games weren't even close. Everybody has close games during the year. I mean, Georgia barely beat Missouri. You know, they mm-hmm. struggled with what Kent State for two and a half quarters. <laughs> God. You know, but when the games were big, they got it done and did so impressively. And that's the thing about, you know, about about Michigan and Georgia is when when the games were big, they didn't just win. Mm-hmm. They rolled, you yep. know, they rolled. I mean, they blew out South. They blew out Oregon in what was a big game. South Carolina came into that game ranked in the top 25. They blew them out. Mm-hmm. They blew out, you know, they blew out Florida. You know, Florida tried to climb back and then they steamrolled them. They blew out Tennessee. They blew out a ranked Mississippi State team on the road. And then they blew out LSU. So, I mean, they, they, uh, they're a good football team. I mean, they, sure. they, you know, they're a really good football team. The, I media, just, the media has fought, the media has fired Jim Harbaugh about seven times over the last five years as well. So, I mean, good for him for the comeback that they've had, man. I mean, to be yep. honest, so I, I hate Michigan. Yep. We'll never root for him, but you have to tip your hat to the guy. I mean, he, after all they lost this offseason as well, defensively speaking, and all the distractions this offseason mm-hmm. with everything going on to get the team refocused and to play as well as they have the, during the, down the stretch of the season especially – Gotta tip your hat, man. He's yeah. he's got the team in a right mindset now going into the playoffs where I'm sure they'll 
Yep. They're going to they're going to feel that they can win the whole thing. So, good yep. for them. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com